you could prevent forest fires. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have any forest fires here, do we? I hope not. Don't have say that to any California. gender reveals lately? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Just do it. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Um, hello, and welcome to Screen Tones, where we talk anything and everything webcomics. Today, we're going to be talking about characterization. I'm Delphina, I use she, her pronouns, and I make the webcomic Zombulous. I'm Miranda, I use she, her pronouns, and I make the webcomic Into the Swell. I'm Varathane, I use she, they pronouns, and I make the webcomics Chiralt and Witchwood. And I'm Crispy, I use she, they pronouns, and I make the webcomics Ghost Junk Sickness and Lunar Blight. Fantastic. Okay, so writing interesting characters is something we all aspire to do in our webcomics. It really is the best feeling when people relate with our characters or find them compelling. But how do we use both the narrative and visual elements of our characters to make them multifaceted? How do we keep them from falling flat? Uh, We're going to go into that today. So... I'm going to throw this out here. What makes for an interesting character writing wise? And like, who are some of your favorites in your own works? Who are your fans responding to? Like, what do you do writing wise? Uh, We'll start with you, Miranda. So I think one thing I love the most is when characters are imperfect in some way, because I feel it's the imperfections that people tend to relate to. I personally don't know anyone and or myself that's like oh look at this very perfect person character they're exactly like me I I relate to how perfect they are I I feel like that doesn't happen very often um so it's usually these imperfections and these so-called failures air quotes that also um add while adding a way to relate they also tend to drive the story and the character's choices. Those failures, those imperfections and differences are what are causing the character to go out into the world, go out on their adventure. Your average Joe is probably not out saving the world or using magic or flying with dragons, but they very well um, could be dealing with the emotions that everyone experiences, like anger, confusion, feeling lost and needing to find out who they are or they just suck at communicating and now they have been enrolled on this quest that they're going on and because they couldn't say no um and just in like from an entertainment perspective I don't really enjoy reading about perfect characters um like it's just not enjoyable because it it's just boring they end up coming across very stale and flat and it's not that imperfections are bad things they don't have to be bad things they can simply be quirks or idiosyncrasies that um, are apparent in how the uh, character interacts with the world how they talk to people one of my favorite I guess imperfect characters 
is a big scary dragon who stops to smell the flowers. It's just so unexpected and it's amazing and I love it. And it just creates this, it, it just adds an extra side and dimension to this otherwise hugely powerful beast. But anything of that sort, like a powerful wizard that suddenly can't use his magic because a pretty person is staring at them or anything that just adds a twist and deviates from what you would expect and breaks the stereotypes that you would fall into with this character if you left them in their perfect state. Um, As for favorites, I mean, Kelwin is my favorite character to write. No offense, Fletcher. I love you too, but I just love Kelwin so much. I just like how he interacts with people because he's a very awkward person and yet he has like this almost seemingly infinite well of power and can do whatever he wants, but he can't talk to the really cute guy because he make, it makes him nervous and blush. And I just get a kick out of that and very much enjoy writing them as such. So yeah, embrace those imperfections and break those stereotypes. Uh, that's fantastic. I mean, speaking of imperfections too i love how you hone in on it's not about like oh they're they they look weird or or anything like that but there's emotions that we can all relate to there are there are fears and and things that we all have and really digging at that emotional core of how people are imperfect will continue to drive the the direction of the story will create the tension that we want in addition to making the character that much more interesting. I love that. Um, Let's move on to you, Thane. How do you feel about your characters and what makes for interesting characters writing wise? Well, all like setting aside matters of like, I feel like there's always an element that is very subjective when it comes to things that people find interesting. There's a lot that's interwoven with personal tastes and so on. Uh, But something that I find tends to work for me specifically more often than not is if a character has a really strong core motivation or goal that the story lays down for me early on, even if they're not very smart in figuring out like how they're going to achieve or pursue it, even if it's like a bad goal, if they're like, maybe misguided in some way, just like watching them like really strive and push to find ways to achieve it um, and how they handle like challenges that are thrown at them along the way. Uh, it does a lot to sell me on on a character is just kind of being, know, knowing what it is that they're after and seeing them striving towards it. It can be kind of tough with certain characters if their goals are like unclear to the reader or they might be unclear even to themselves as a character. Like one of the the characters in my own stories that I enjoy writing the most um, is Felix and a big part of his arc, ironically enough, after, <laughs> after saying all this about motivations is that he spent his whole life kind of being told what to do and doesn't really know how to self-motivate and make his own decisions and figure out what he wants out of his own life. Um, But I feel like that in itself is kind of something that like, when you realize that that's what you want, you can start moving towards that. And it's something that at least I personally kind of find uh, relatable for myself. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun writing. It is something that means because it's inherently a bit of a 
kind of a passive motivation. Um, it means that he, it, it would be a challenge to write a story with him as the, the focal character. Um, you need to have someone else around who can make those kind of bigger decisions to, to move the plot along. Um, it's a fun challenge. Um, I feel like that, uh, that idea of having like a really driving motivation is important to me though. Yeah, I like how you bring in the dynamics too. And for for Felix, he starts out kind of isolated. He he works with people, but he doesn't he doesn't have friends or anything like that. And all of a sudden, he's kind of thrown into this situation where other people are bringing out those desires and actually asking him what he wants. And now he has to figure out what what do I want? And sometimes that can be. Uh, I think we've all been in decisions like, well, I, I just got out of this thing and I don't know what to do with myself. So I think that's, that's definitely relatable on that same emotional level. Um, I'm going to throw it to you, Crispy. Um, what makes for an interesting character for you writing wise, who are some of your favorites in your works that you love to write? (laughs) Um, well, first of all, I absolutely love seeing nuance in characters. There was a lot of things that Miranda had said that I was resonating with, with messy characters. I'm all over that, like a hound on a pork chop. Like, I love it, love it, love it. Like, when you see uh, design and develop a character who has layers, like an ogre, it's fun to see how they're like when they're you begin to peel back at their core. Like, what makes them mad? What makes them happy? And and have these like different kind of steps towards making them who they are. Um, and I think understanding these facets of the character helps with writing them too, especially in difficult situations where there needs to be some sort of big decision to be made. So when you kind of understand that the writer has themselves in the character's head and you can see that there's a lot of additions to some of the decisions that they make in the nuance, like I, I just love seeing how human they can kind of get. And it makes me kind of happy because like when you have things like that, they become unpredictable almost. And not in a bad way where you're trying to do some kind of surprise that's kind of annoying or frustrating uh, to a reader who, when you're, the rug is constantly being pulled under you. But like something that makes sense to the character, but is also surprising in a way that you would see with, you know, people in real life. Um, and if you understand some of their nuances and you know what and how to push them or pull them in a certain direction, it becomes easier to understand why they would make those decisions in the first place. And it keeps them in character for you and the reader. I think for me, I love writing characters who have those extra layers of messiness, unresolved tension between characters yet to be introduced, and the fire that happens when they eventually meet. It's like the best kind of spice in those situations. And it's also nice to see when our readers are picking up and understanding these types of characteristics with these like moments with our characters too. Uh, one of my favorite characters to write is actually Trigger, um, and he is uh, he's a hot mess. Um, he makes a lot of bad decisions, and at his core, the core of his character is kind of running away, not owning up to what he's done in the past, and making up a lot of barriers to get away from the decisions he's made and subtly putting in some notes with who he is as a character helps make sense for the decisions he makes um, down the line. Uh, I know that in like, I mean, we started as early as chapter one, putting these nuances. I know specifically an instance, um, (laughs) the book or the series 
too freaking long. I can't remember everything, but I remember specifically there was a moment where the characters were trying to get away from like uh, the moon because there's like evil robots and stuff and it was going to blow up. And there was a character who was uh, stranded on the moon who also had to leave and who was having a tough time making that decision to leave and have everything left behind. And basically made the the note of like it's not really easy just picking up and starting and running away from things and we'd made like the decision to make a subtle kind of reaction from trigger who does that very much all the time <laughs> as a solution to his problems and then you just kind of slowly amp up with stuff like that and so when you start to leave these little kind of breadcrumbs and have this like nuance and understand where this character is coming from that way, I think it becomes really, really interesting. And I just love to see how involved the writers are when you do see stuff like that. Another thing about him is that, you know, sometimes, and and again, to Miranda's point, is that it's hard to write characters who aren't seen as morally good. Uh, Again, Trigger is a very messy character with like the decisions that he makes. Um, And sometimes audiences need that sympathy to relate. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's true for everything, though, and I don't think that's what connects us, not all of us anyway. Um, sometimes there's people in this world that it's just it's just like that. That's just how they are. And you can see yourself in this messiness. Uh, you can relate to yourself on some of the rash decisions that you've made. So I think that's important to also have these kind of characters. And I know that I relate to them because I'm just like, hmm, <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely not perfect. It's just how you approach these characters and how they react in the environments. And that's what makes it compelling. Um, what about the decisions that makes them so interesting? And it's it's always about that. It's always about how they're interacting and how the plot moves forward with how they're engaging with that. So I personally just, I really like characters who make me ask the questions and be like, hmm, why would you do that, silly, silly character XYZ? Yeah, I I love when you said that it was amping up and how you it starts like early when you make smaller decisions and Mm -hmm. then it's, you know, every chapter you can kind of build on that. It's kind of a cumulative process where you show somebody making one bad decision and then they're going to make another one because that turned out poorly and it it keeps Mm -hmm. going on. And that really shows that kind of dynamic, like, are they going to double down or are they going to like actually turn around and make better decisions? (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) It's exactly that. And I I just I like planting that early, like uh, when writing characters or like kind of figuring them out, uh, understanding them. Like I always think of some of the key kind of elements that we write in a book to kind of keep in mind when you're you know, actually writing them into the story. Um, And I think consistency is just a big thing so that people can expect, but also not expect because nuance really lends itself to making the character very, very shaped. Very shaped. Yes. I like a shaped character. Um, For me, I, I really like a character that I can root for. Um, and I like characters that have room to grow over time. And I think that's kind of related to having an imperfect character, a character who's who's wanting to do things um, but can't quite reach their goals, um, like everyone was saying. Um, I definitely agree that um, Miranda was saying it's really hard to relate to perfect characters or characters that only move when something external pushes them. 
Um, so personal emotional stakes are also important if I'm going to find a character engaging. In Sambulus, I really love writing for Sydney because um, she's a paladin, she's a knight, she kind of starts out as unsympathetic. She's competent, but she's out of her field of expertise. Um, she's struggling to find her footing and she's failing a lot. And she's getting really mad about it and she's t- sort of taking it out on people who don't deserve it. Um, and those bad decisions keep doubling down until she she is what's going to make you stop what's going to make you turn around and look at what what you're saying and what you're doing and like actually reconsider the information as it really is instead of the lens that you're putting on it i think every character has a lens every character has a different way of looking at the world um depending on you know just their personality types their background all that stuff so that's all it, it all filters in and you can really um just get a lot out of saying what is the lens that they're looking at the world through and what's going to cause that lens to shatter um and for sydney i think she's a character that a people a lot of people didn't love initially um so i i did have other more likable fun characters to keep the story on board uh with kind of uh uh, you know, more lighthearted. It's kind of a lighthearted story. And I don't want people to be just like, oh, I, ha- I hate reading this story because I hate the- this character and the choices they're making. So I, I do have other characters around her. Um, but seeing how reader opinion changes as she grows and learns is a really rewarding experience for me. Um, I think that it just having that room to grow is just so interesting for characters for me i don't want them to start perfect i don't want them to be the best at everything they do i want them to learn i want them to and i want to root for them as they go um so yeah uh let's let's talk about the visual aspect because we are creating works of art Uh, we are drawing these things and we work in this visual medium so what kinds of things can we do visually to convey things about our characters and make them distinct let's go back to miranda so facial expressions or lack thereof are a huge asset in this regard um, because most of your characters will have a face and they will use it in some way um if they don't i you'll have to figure something else out but that's for you um some characters and just people in general have wide open faces everything they're feeling is displayed in their eyes their mouth their features um, others are closed-lipped and reveal nothing they make great poker players you never want to gamble with them um, but even the ones that aren't expressive with their faces um, there's other ways that you can communicate um, like ticks and tells uh, hand gestures twitches a cough um, but all of these are fairly easy things to draw and display visually, um, and they show different facets of personality. Um, extra details like this also have the added benefit of helping your art and your panels remain dynamic. Instead of your character standing straight like a ruler, um, you can add something small that uh, shows them interacting with the world in a way that uh, reflects their personality. Um, 
Honestly, any appendage can be used to ac accentuate your characterization. Tapping feet, hair flips, diverted gazes, um, clenched hands. With webcomics and the way different panels can be framed, it's very easy to zoom in on different parts or point out, um, like zoom in on a hand, zoom in on a foot, um, zoom in on a gaze or focus. Um, so you can show that this character is purposely looking anywhere but the person that's talking to them or whatever the case may be. Um, they're all things that are fairly easy to convey visually. Um, and at the same time, they help us tell readers who our characters are. Yeah, I love the fact that we can move the camera anywhere in a comic. We can we can zoom in on on anything and that can be a very powerful thematic element to continue to show if if somebody has this like thing they do with their lips or whatever um you can you can keep showing that and the repetition will kind of subconsciously convey a lot of things to your reader i think it's really smart to think that way um mm -hmm. let's go on to you Thane visually what do you like about characters what can we do to make our characters visually distinct uh honestly I feel like I I have to kind of go back to what Miranda said about uh like body language and expressiveness because I've seen like there, there are definitely design tools that <laughs> that people can can utilize to distinguish their characters but when everyone has the same like expression templates, so to speak, applied to them, it can kind of start making things get confusing again. Um, even if the even if the designs themselves are distinct, uh, and there's all these little things that you can do to add uh, layers of surprise when when you're working with uh, specific body languages and stuff like. Um, little things like if somebody turns away and then their expression changes when they know the other characters aren't looking at them anymore it can add a lot of intrigue and suspense for for readers being like wait why did they look like that like what's that mean they have a secret that i don't know yet and they get really curious to find out what's going on it keeps them turning the pages or like why do they look weirdly uncomfortable when they were explaining this thing that should be normal to everyone else um there's all these uh all these little stuff that you can add uh, when it comes to character expressiveness. It's always the thing that I go back into definitely the most in all of my pages to, to try to make sure it all feels exactly right for the character. Like I can, if I draw somebody in a pose with their arms crossed uh, and then I realize, no, oh, wait, that's not the way this character crosses their arms. That's the way another character crosses their arms. And now it's weird because I've applied like the wrong person's body language to it. Um, cause you, you sort of start to get a sense of like how they act physically in space. Uh, and it really helps solidify them as like a, as a, a living, breathing person or maybe not breathing if they're undead or something like that. I'm just going back to Miranda, like sometimes they don't have faces and things like sometimes they don't breathe, but it's okay. You can still find other ways around it. Um, undead can breathe too. Probably, yeah. if they wanted, maybe. Just when they're trying the to mimic the living. Lungs, yeah. Like, do they need to breathe? Probably not, but. 
But what would that tell you about an undead character if they forced themselves to breathe, like to look like everybody else? They're they're trying to fit in. They're trying to be cool. That's a very good characterization. I'm, I'm here for it. Exactly. Um, how about you, Crispy? Um, what kinds of things do you do visually to convey aspects of characters and make them distinct? You know, it's funny when you talk about like the characters not breathing and stuff like that, because it was one of the decisions that we made in Ghost Junk uh, chapter one and two. Uh, we introduced a character called Noah Thompson, uh, and she lives on the moon and the characters first meet her and they both are suited up in their spacesuits because they are in space and she does not wear a spacesuit. And I love seeing people being like, wait, wait, is this normal? Guys, no one's talking about this. It's one of my absolute favorite things. So I love putting in like these aspects that kind of like throw readers off and make them ponder about things. There's actually more stuff in the comic that alludes to like why she can breathe in space and whatever, but it's so subtle that I'm just like, it's not plot relevant, but it's fun if you want to look out for it and it exists and it's just fun to kind of trip you up on. Um, as far as the question is concerned, um, of course, design is a huge aspect that plays like narratively and aesthetically with your stories. Um, so understanding what you need to do to depict what makes sense in your comics world, um, while also being presentable in the way that's like intriguing or memorable to an audience like Noah, um, not needing a spacesuit to be out in space. I like to kind of think of like iconic designs. Um, I think about like Vaughn from Ghost Junk Sickness, uh, having their like banana hair or trigger with like his thick eyebrows and always like depicted in illustrations as smoking and stuff like that. Or, um, Bogmouth's design is probably one of my favorites with like its distinct silhouette and whatnot. So I think of stuff like that as an obvious answer. And then, of course, Miranda and Thane talking about like those characterizations, uh, how certain people cross their arms or um, certain people kind of do X, Y, Z. So that's always a good thing to kind of keep in mind. I actually have a little book of isms that characters do that we have written down. Um, so when a character is nervous, uh, they do a certain thing. Uh, like, for example, in Ghost Junk Sickness, Vaughn, who gets nervous, unfortunately, a lot, uh, will always play with their hands. Um, and it's just something that we've been constantly keeping up with. Uh, some people even pick up on it and enjoy it. And it's just those little kind of bits that make you want to connect to characters, even if it feels so small when you talk about it like this. But when it's constantly conveyed in the story um, and you can see it visually, I think I think that's a little treat. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like to think of the subtleties. And again, I think it comes back to nuance with me with design too. I'm so glad that you mentioned Bogmouth though. Speaking of super non-subtle subtleties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because she's just so huge. And I love that for her because, yeah, it's just, um, I, I think for me, it, like having those different silhouettes and not being afraid to make it, people a little different a little like weirder I think a lot of times when I was starting out I was coming from a background of shoujo where everybody is pretty and perfect mm -hmm. and 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 they look gorgeous but having those like really huge noticeable differences can really visually make your character stand out in a good way um 
I I know we've talked about like same face and like what maybe there, there's like a person and another person and they look almost exactly the same except there's a little tiny difference in the eyebrows and a little tiny difference in the eye glare and their hair is a different color and maybe a different style and that's some a lot of times that's not enough um i want to see height differences i want to see different kinds of shapes and sizes for people i think visually that that helps them stick in your mind a little more and to some extent you you do need maybe more fantastical setting for this maybe it's like slice of life won't have uh, a giant 10 foot lady who looks like a lizard coming after you um but there are other things that you can do with like the way characters dress, the kinds of colors they wear, the kinds of things that they do about other environments or, or whatever like that convey their personality. There's all kinds of different things that you can do with various aspects of a character. And yeah, just kind of think of everything. Think about where they live. Think about how they dress. Think about what their job is and if they they find what they're doing constraining or not i don't know where i'm going with this but yeah somewhere great <laughs> yeah. i don't know yeah i don't I, it's hard to talk about visuals when i can't like show them but um <laughs> but it's 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 okay we're we're working with what we got here um so let's say you've started your comic you're putting in your characters that you've had in your heart and your mind all your life you're starting out their story and they're just not engaging for readers you're like asking people who are who's your favorite character and they're like uh i don't know or it, everybody feels a little flat to me or, or something like that like what is your advice to people who want to look to fix things like flat characters or un unengaging characters um, so I think a good first step is evaluating the character and figure out what you love about them. Because if you don't love your character or love something about them, why would anyone else? Um, you're, you're the one creating this character. And I, I feel a big thing in webcomics is you can tell if the creator is not invested in their work. So being like invested in a character and loving the character, readers will be able to tell. Um, if once you've kind of evaluated that and found the things that you do love or don't, um, I try to sum up their personality and opinions about important concepts in your story. Um, like if your story is about a group of people going to take down an evil king, how does your person feel about the king? Like, how do they feel about government? Are they an anarchist? Are they a farmer that has no idea what's going on? They just sold a potato to someone and that person dragged them on their quest with them. Like, where, what are their opinions and how do they feel about what's going on in their story? And um, find those things that you can stretch and exaggerate um, to emphasize um, these opinions and personality aspects that they have a bit more than you maybe already are. If you notice that they don't really have a flaw, maybe you can try out giving them one. Um, or maybe they're a character that would work really well um, or even better with another character to bounce off of. 
sometimes you're not quite able to see the best sides of a character because you don't have a foil or partner for them to shine against. Having someone that's the complete opposite of your character can complement them and let them kind of glow a little bit more. Um, Also, just make sure that they do have a purpose and something driving them. Um, Even if it's just a quest to find the best pastry in the land, which the potato farmer is probably now on because he's like, I'm stuck on this journey. I might as well find a good pie somewhere or a way to cook my potato. The best way to cook a potato in all the world. Um, A character without a goal tends to be like an NPC that says the same five things every time you interact with them. Uh, The first five times you do it, um, they're entertaining. And then you keep going back hoping for something different and it's never different. It's just the same and it ends up getting boring. They're repeating themselves and it's you're going to lose interest. I think that just a, a huge thing to keep in mind, as with most aspects of a webcomic especially, is don't be afraid to change them. Um, you don't have to keep a character um, that isn't working just for the sake of consistency. I'm not saying you should kill off your characters, but you don't have to keep them stagnant if they're not working. They can grow and they can change to be better, just like you. Cheesy smile. Aw, but... No, I want pie. Will will pie make me better as a person? Yes. Okay. That is definitely a fact. Okay. Everyone. Awesome. Yeah, but I cake think... also. <laughs> okay, now I have to choose between pie or cake. But I do love the fact that you're you're going into like yes, the potato farmer is on this quest. Yes, he's being pushed around and and dragged into it kind of but he also it's important to touch base with how he feels about it and and this is something that you can do every step of the way every step of the journey to see well how did he feel about it and maybe how has that changed over time now that he's he's learned and grown and and stuff like that maybe he's he's into the pie quest now you don't know so i'm gonna throw it to thing now how do you troubleshoot this and what is your advice to people who are writing characters and they're not engaging and falling flat what what do you do to fix it well i do want to say that miranda's note about introducing a foil or a partner character to bounce them off of is probably my favorite trick um i just it's great seeing how people interact with a it with a different character or like a a change of scenery and just find out like what kind of personalities Uh, will get different angles out of them. Uh, If things are starting to feel stale, it might be time for some sort of dynamic shift um, in who they're around or what they're doing. Um, In general, uh, I think finding new ways to challenge the characters is never really going to go awry. Um, Whatever it is that they are trying to do, just see how they deal with obstacles in their path uh, and other characters who maybe don't want to cooperate like do they do they solve their problems with like their wits or with brute force or by like their charm and charisma um all like how they choose to tackle the things in front of them will tell the readers a little bit more about them and if it can tell them something new that they didn't know before about this character then it's even better it just adds like some extra interest and makes the story uh, a lot of fun to kind of uh, stick around with so provided like all all their all their goals and things are clear 
um, then even implying that something might be a problem in their future and seeing if they become aware of this right away and start working to solve it proactively or if they kind of ignore it and then let it like blow up in their face later like uh, all of these things can be kind of fun especially if the reader is in on things that the character is not aware of I feel like in general um, I I'm not a huge fan of playing things too close to the chest Um, I feel like there's a tendency with some creators to believe that like uh, I mean mystery is great mystery stories are a ton of fun um mystery in itself just for its own sake um it you have to handle it very carefully um and readers not knowing a thing isn't always going to make them more interested in what's happening so I feel like when you keep things vague because you're trying to keep a character seeming mysterious like oh people will be so curious what's their deal um people will kind of turn off because they don't have enough to even be interested yet like they they might not even care whether there is a mystery because you haven't given them enough to hold on to um so when you actually do reveal things even if it's just like a a small thing like just a corner of the bigger thing like just give people something concrete and tangible to chew on um, cause I find, uh, and don't, don't be afraid of spoiling people on this. I know we talked about this at length in the spoilers episode, but in general, people will get a lot more excited over the crumbs that you throw <laughs> into their side of the court rather than the ones that they can't even see or in your hand. Oh gosh. I am shaking your hand so hard right now because it's so true. There's, there's just this like kind of, oh, I can't reveal their tragic backstory yet. You're going to have to wait. And uh, if you haven't established that trust with your reader yet, if you haven't established that you can deliver on a promise, it's going to hold you back. So go into the tragic backstory. Don't don't be shy about it. Just share it with people and and really get that out there. And there will always be more facets to the character. As more things happen, as more things go on, I think it's important to remember that even if you feel like you're laying all your cards on the table, you're really not. I feel like the other the other thing when it comes to backstories is that you can get so invested in the idea that like people are going to go so crazy when I reveal this backstory that the whole story becomes about revealing the backstory rather than about what's happening in the present yeah. of the story itself. And it's important to keep those priorities in order, like what the character is doing right now in the present should feel important and critical and like that that is the story um otherwise the whole thing might as well just be the flashback absolutely i think yeah it's it's just i i see this a lot in online spaces where people have ocs and they're not attached to any kind of plot line yet but they're they're kind of coming up with these these things in their head about oh this this character is very sad about their sister who left in their childhood or whatever and and it's just this problem of the author has been telling themselves the story their whole time and they haven't been telling a reader the same story so you're what feels like very invested to you isn't coming across to the reader yet. You need to put that on the page instead of in your head. And that can be very challenging to do, but, um, but you got to keep at it. I think. 
Um, so how about you, Crispy? Um, what kinds of things do you look for to fix flat characters, unengaging characters? Well, absolutely screaming at what everything was said just now. Like, trying to keep it together, but totally agree. Um, as for myself, uh, this question is actually kind of tough because I feel like there's always going to be somebody who likes a character. Um, the degrees are something that you obviously can't control and how many people uh, like the character is something that, you know, we want to kind of address here. Um, it becomes more pressing to address when it feels like there's a lack of interest in them at all, when their plot's kind of moving and people are just like, there goes Blorbo. I guess, <laughs> and not really attaching yourself to kind of their stakes and stuff like that. Um, I think it's important when you're starting to recognize this lack of interest uh, and involvement or investment uh, in the characters to kind of take a step back and deconstruct them. What makes this character themselves? Uh, what is one word that you can use to describe them? And so on and so forth. You can start building um, what a potential reader may think of them when you start deconstructing them that way in really, really simple terms. It's just like, okay, uh, what is this potato farmer actually like? What is his plight? What's the stakes and why is he here? Um, and when you start to understand that he was actually on an intense quest to find some really good piece of hardware to peel his potatoes um, that he lost during the war after his mother died in front of him by the potato peeler, you're like, okay, I invested. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I wow, you. I am invested. Exactly, exactly. And <laughs> when you start to get this information, um, that is brought up in these natural ways. And when I talk about the nuance that I did before, it's it's nuance that is, is, is done in that natural way, done in those crumbs, like Thane said, um, presented to the reader. And not something that's done all at once in a reveal. That's not, that's <laughs> That frustrates me. And I think it frustrates a lot of readers when, again, uh, to Thane's point, you're holding it too close to your chest. And you're really hyping yourself up for this. You're just like, oh yeah, this potato farmer is going to be the best because I know what's going to happen to them. But like in my head, it's just don't write for the future. In if that makes sense, don't write for the future to come with the cool moments. It's it's going to happen soon, guys. It's going to happen soon. Write the characters in their state now. They have to be interesting now. That their their surroundings now has to be interesting so that you become invested when the cool thing happens. And when you have a character that's unwilling uh, for no reason other than the reveal will come later, it's hard. <laughs> I don't blame readers for not wanting to kind of latch on unless there's something interested about them not being uh, willing to go on their journey. Like, what if you... <laughs> I'm doing it again. What if you were writing The Potato Farmer and, you know, you wanted to add some subtlety to this? So he's going through his quest and he, he's like, oh, yeah, I, I actually am a potato farmer. I do some really awesome potatoes, got some good potato work on my resume. <laughs> but he sees a potato peeler and he flinches. And you're just like, wait, if you're such a potato pro, like, what's going on oh here? My what's gosh. that connection? <laughs> I am, I'm invested in this potato farmer. <laughs> I yep. the whole thing <laughs> but it's just that's where you can introduce some subtleties that will get readers to question because I think that's the most important thing is that you get them when they start 
being curious about things when it's just like, hmm. You don't want them to be like, ha, when's something going to happen? You want them to be like, huh, why would Potato Farmer do that? Huh. That's what you want. That's what creates investment. That's what kind of gets you out of those flat characters. Because when you start asking questions like that, you know that the writer has answers. And you know that they've written it so that the stuff is supposed to be there. You're you're supposed to be picking up these clues and you're supposed to be interested and whatnot. And it just, to me, it just feels like the writer cares about your experience too. I think that is the biggest thing um, with writing these flat characters. And of course, agreeing 100% uh, with what was said before about having these characters, again, too close to your chest. And one of the biggest things as a writer is that Sometimes, especially in webcomics, because you can just throw it all out there, is that when you don't have like a dedicated like little group of beta readers that you can find or someone to just proof your work or whatever and have an unbiased kind of like experience, sometimes it could be hard to gauge what information you're given uh, is actually going to be sticking with people because you know the story so intimately. And so when Thane was talking about releasing some spoilers, spoilers to you might not actually be like a spoiler to somebody else. It might actually be an intrigue on that. So try not to be too hoarding to the details and kind of play it natural if you can. And, you know, leave a little bit more crumbs to help people get invested. And I think, too, with our medium of webcomics, there's it takes so long. We have webcomic time and something that is gonna be a reveal might take years and years so the the more you can reveal and the more consistently you can convey hey this is an issue for this character hey this is an issue for this character you're gonna be repeating yourself a lot you might feel it's a little bit repetitive but it's not because you are telling a story over the course of years and years and years and yeah, you should not be afraid of revealing things about your characters. You need to reveal things about mm-hmm. your characters or else people won't stick around for the big reveal. Yes. Yeah. Drop those breadcrumbs. Drop <laughs> those breadcrumbs. Yeah. Um, I, I love all this talk about like the dynamics and I love um, just considering how much you're revealing to the reader. I think one thing to me that I see a lot is the author's voice kind of overtakes all the characters' voices. Um, And I read a really interesting Tumblr post about Joss Whedon, targeted towards writing humor and quips and why it sort of falls flat in movies like The Avengers. Because you've got these groups of heroes, this group of heroes from all walks of life. You've got a kid that grew up poor and teased and picked on. Um, You've got people that come from money. They're super rich. They have everything they want. You have assassins that grew up in Russian orphanages. and But they all make the same jokes. They all make the same Joss Whedon jokes because that's what Joss Whedon sounds like and they shouldn't. That's an example of a poor character voice to me um, when every single character sounds like the author and I see it in webcomics too, especially with um, ensemble type things. And if you find the author's voice entertaining, that can carry you for a while, but it is so much more impactful when you consider their backgrounds, their outlook on life and their approach to their problems, um, just all the different things that make them them instead of you. 
sometimes when I'm reading a story, especially humor, where it's it always sounds like the same kinds of jokes. Everybody is talking and they're they're making a little joke. They're making the little um, you're you're writing your little thing that happens. That's kind of your culmination of your page. And every beat sounds the same. You could go through the archive and every single time you look at the punchline, the punchline sounds the same no matter who's delivering it. That makes a character really flat for me. And it's it's very tempting to go with what you know in terms of how to make people laugh. But it's I think there's a lot of humor and fun to be found in how this character reacts versus how another character would react. And that that's just one thing that I would look at, especially if you're trying to do something a little lighter about just make sure you're watching your tone and and really pulling back like what you would personally say and think about what would they say in that situation. And uh, that's just one facet of the same thing that we've all been talking about, which is just really getting to know the nuances of your characters and how they think about the world and what drives them. And I, I don't think we can say it enough, though, that it really does have a massive impact on how your readers connect and relate to all of your characters. So with that all said, I think um, that'll get you a lot of the way on thinking about how your characters interact and making them more engaging. Um, I I think that's going to wrap it up for now. Um, there's certainly more stuff that we can say and probably will say in future episodes, but for now, we'll we'll cut it off there. So thank you so much for listening. This has been a Thai peanut crunch wrap. I have been your host. Oh, wait, I'm Delfina here. Shit. What? Who's? I don't know. I've been your host, Delfina, and you can check out my comic Zombulus at Zombulus.com. And I'm Miranda. Um, you can check out my comic Into the Swell and my other works at MirandaCakes.art. And I am Varathane, and you can find my comics at chiralt.sevensmith.net and at witchwoodcomic.com. And tis I, Crispy. You can find my work at ghostjunksickness.com and lunarblade.com. But where can we find the potato armor? I was gonna say. (laughs) This episode's thumbnail cover should be like the cover of Akira, but it's the potato farmer walking away from a peeler. Thank you for listening to Screen Tones, a webcomic podcast. Want to know some other ways to support us? Check out our Ko-fi at ko-fi.com slash screentonescast, where your support will help us create more episodes, reach cool extra bonus goals, and keep us talking about anything and everything webcomics. You can also find us on Tumblr, Instagram, and our Discord server. Thank you so much for listening, sharing, rating, and supporting, and we'll see you next time.